Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. My name is Steve Dace alongside Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. Let us know what you think about what we think. You can do that by emailing the program steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Uh, you can also look for us on platforms that don't try to censor us. If you just look for my name on MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter, you can also look for clips of the show that are not censored and are free to watch over on rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. And if you're looking for a last-minute Christmas gift idea with meaning and purpose, I hope, had a very good conversation with uh, Charlie Kirk at Turning Point USA on his podcast about my new book, Do What You Believe, or You Won't Be Free to Believe It Much Longer. We did that yesterday. That podcast will be out soon. You can get your copy today. It is a battle plan for not just fighting, but winning a 21st century culture war. At least it's the best that I could come up with. Maybe somebody out there has one better. And like we did with Fauci and Bargain, we put this right to paperback to make it as available and as accessible and affordable as possible, especially now. Uh, it is official worst one-year increase in inflation in modern history. Since one year ago at this time, nearly 10% across the board. That that's I can't even stress to you how difficult that is to do in an, in a country as as prosperous as ours to see that level of inflation mount in one calendar year. I just, I mean, it, it, Jimmy Carter called. No, he didn't. He passed away. But if he was here, he would be blushing right now because we have left his misery index in the rearview mirror. So we we want to make stuff like this on the show as affordable as we can. Uh, if you want to get your paperback edition, you can today over on Amazon.com or for somebody that you think might appreciate it for Christmas. And it's really also meant for small group studies. There are group discussion questions at the end of each chapter, courtesy of uh, Mr. Erzin, who supplied those. So you can get your copy today at Amazon.com if you've had a chance to read it already and it spoke to you and it helped mobilize, encourage, and equip you. Please consider leaving us a five-star review. And thank you to those of you that have already lined up to do that. I've got to do a bit of a mea culpa here at the top of the show. And I, I just, we have no excuse. And uh, we just um, we just got to come correct on this. Somehow yesterday, with everything going on, and several of you, thank you, uh, who uh, gave us the heads up and let us know about this. Uh, we did not even mention uh, really the unspeakable we did a we we discussed it philosophically and theologically in our overtime yesterday. 
But we really didn't do anything to highlight the suffering that is going on in Kentucky as we speak. Uh, the powerful video of the governor's wife who uh, is reading a statement about um, what was done and she can't get through it and asked the governor, Andy Bashir to come over and finish it for her. Did you guys see that video? Yeah. And uh, I mean, we live here in Iowa, which is a bit of a tornado alley. Some of the movie Twister was filmed here, but last I saw this morning, uh, 74 casualties they're talking about. Maybe that's gone higher since I first woke up. Um, an incredible amount of devastation in terms of uh, loss of way of life, businesses, homes. Um, I just, un unspeakable tragedy. And somehow with everything else going on, and this should have been first and foremost on our minds, obviously, because all that other stuff will still be there tomorrow and the day after and the day after. Uh, but this tragedy is going on right now. And so our prayers absolutely to the people in our audience from Kentucky or those of you that know people uh, from Kentucky. And uh, ultimately, it's my name on uh, the marquee. So it's my responsibility. It's just inexcusable uh, slight by us yesterday. So I wanted to make sure that we mentioned that and corrected that and acknowledge that here at the top of the show today. Uh, as for today's program, um, at the bottom of the hour, we are going to do a Pop Culture Tuesday for the final time in 2021. And it's going to be about my set visit. We talked about this yesterday with Bob Vanderplatz. We got his take on the visit to the set of Nefarious. I didn't really give you too much of my own assessment. What I thought would be fun is if we let Todd and Aaron ask questions they think that you guys have or that they have. And that way it's not just me kind of rambling on and prattling on about what I think, but talking about it in the ways that you guys are interested. And I'm guessing there are going to be a question or two that I cannot, or is going to be a question or two, apologize again to the grammar police, that there is going to be a question or two I probably cannot answer right now, but it's okay to ask those two. And if I can't, I'll just, you know, politely demur and say, eh, I can't get into that at this particular time. So we will do that for Pop Culture Tuesday. Next hour, it'll be our final fake news or not of the year. And we're going to spend an entire hour on this. And here's why. I, I believe there's two ways out of COVID, Stan. One of them is mass resistance and defiance to make these things unenforceable. Uh, friend of the program, frequent Dace Group contributor Shannon Joy just sent me a text literally as we were going on the air. And she's a talk show host in upstate New York. And, and she says they're up to about one third of the counties in New York State now have announced that they will not enforce or comply the new governor's attempt to reinstall ridiculous COVID stand edicts and shutdowns and masks and everything else. That, so one third of the counties in that state, could they come after like one or two? Could they, could they threaten one or two in the budget process to try to get them to comply? Yeah. Could it be able to do that to, the, to 21 of the 62 counties in New York? Probably not. That's what we mean. That is one path out is mass resistance and mass defiance so that these things become unenforceable. The other path out is to win the intellectual argument. And, and I believe that natural immunity is the key to winning that argument for, on, 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 for a few reasons. One, it is the first, it's the first foundational science of how we have proven science of how we as a species have survived 
plagues for thousands of years before this one. So it, so it, it re-centers the argument back away from Pfizer's later, latest 100% effectiveness, Venezuela, Putin-like claims, and back to actual science. The other is because it exposes, as I pointed out yesterday, that, that this isn't a vaccination program. And it's not even just that they don't work as a vaccine is supposed to by inoculating you from getting something or giving it to somebody else. They, they aren't vaccines in the traditional sense of the term, which is why back in August, the CDC had to change the term. As we continue to strive to make Orwell fiction again here in the 21st century. But it's not even a vaccination program. Because a vaccination program is, is to help us to reach herd immunity faster in combination with natural immunity. So the entire fallacy of this is blown up. So if, it's, if, it's not a va- if they're not vaccines and it's not a vaccination program, what is this? What are they then? And what are we doing? To that end, we are going to spend next hour of the show highlighting all of the data and studies around the world that have shown for the last 21 months that science, natural immunity, does still exist and is still effective. So we will get to that in the next hour of the show. But before we get to all of that, of course, we must begin, as always, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Scumbags. A new report from Business Insider shows at least 75 federal lawmakers bought and sold stock in big pharma companies like Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, and Moderna over the course of the coronavirus scamdemic. Those lawmakers include both Democrats and Republicans or their spouses, some of whom were openly supportive and openly critical of COVID-19 government overreach. The Supreme Court yesterday turned away two emergency requests from healthcare workers, doctors, and nurses in New York to block that state's vaccine mandate for health care workers. Justices Samuel Alito, Neil Gorsuch, and Clarence Thomas dissented, while Kavanaugh and Justice Amy Coney Barrett joined with the liberal branch. In completely unrelated news, The Telegraph out of the United Kingdom is reporting on data from countries as disparate as the UK, Denmark, and South Africa, showing the Omicron variant is being driven largely by the young, healthy, and vaccinated populations. The data from Denmark, for instance, shows about 70% of Omicron cases have been among those younger than 40 years old. In further unrelated news, here's Dr. Anthony Fauci back in 2020 talking to Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg about the dangers of some vaccinations. This would not be the first time, if it happened, that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety actually made people worse. There was the history of the respiratory syncytial virus vaccine in children, which paradoxically made the children worse. One of the HIV vaccines that we tested several years ago actually made individuals more likely to get infected. And now here's an unmasked Jake Tapper from CNN and an unmasked Senator Amy Klobuchar sitting a foot apart, ripping Senator Ted Cruz for not wearing a mask while sitting by Amy Klobuchar at Bob Dole's funeral. You're seated next to a Republican Senator Ted Cruz, um, who, as everybody can see, is not masked, despite rules at the National Cathedral requiring all guests to wear a mask indoors. Now, you're a breast cancer survivor. Um, you're still recovering, I guess. Uh, I'm, I'm 100% You're 100% now. better, but you're still at risk of infection because of, uh, because of this, this fight that you, you won. What was going through your mind there where Ted Cruz pulls up next to you and doesn't have a mask on, even though the rules are 
please wear a mask to protect you. You wear the masks to protect other people. Mm -hmm. um, I think people should wear masks, especially when they're in settings when they're supposed to. Tesla CEO Elon Musk is Time Magazine's Person of the Year. Musk was interviewed by Time about his thoughts on vaccine mandates. By the same token, I, I am against forcing people to be vaccinated. You know, I think this is just not something we should do in America. I think we should encourage people to be vaccinated, strongly try to convince them to be vaccinated, right. but not force them to be vaccinated or, or, for example, force them to get vaccinated or get fired. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern is giving the green light to orgies with up to 25 people. I can confirm that, that Tinder liaisons have reopened. <laughs> Great news for my friend. It's not, it's not strictly embedded in the traffic light system, but... Um, it is a given up to 25, actually. Meanwhile, churches in New Zealand may only reopen with a 10-person limit on gathering for prayer. In other news, U.S. producer price inflation has jumped 9.6% year-over-year from last November to this. That's the largest year-over-year -year increase on record. And finally, this very odd goodbye from outgoing NBC News host, Brian Williams. Well, look at the time. I'll try to keep this brief. After 28 years of Peacock logos on much of what I own, it is my choice now to jump without a net into the great unknown, as I do for the first time in my 62 years. My biggest worry is for my country. The truth is I'm not a liberal or a conservative. I'm an institutionalist. I believe in this place, and in my love of country, I yield to no one. But the darkness on the edge of town has spread to the main roads and highways and neighborhoods. It's now at the local bar and the bowling alley, at the school board and the grocery store. And it must be acknowledged and answered for. Grown men and women who swore an oath to our Constitution, elected by their constituents, possessing the kinds of college degrees I could only dream of, have decided to join the mob and become something they are not, while hoping we somehow forget who they were. They've decided to burn it all down with us inside. That should scare you to no end as much as it scares an aging volunteer fireman. And that's what happened while we were away. I am anxious to get Todd's reaction to that here in a moment. Uh, but first, uh, Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Better Spectacles. If you're looking for new glasses and you like mine, how about um, something similar or your own version, especially now that handcrafted German Rodenstock frames are available here in the U.S. for the first time, considered one of the gold standards in optometry, over 500 patents. Ronald Reagan wore them, but he had to get them imported back in the day. Now they are readily available with our friends at Better Spectacles. If you want to use one of their online opticians, you'll get the same service you'd get in one of their stores across the country. And then they can hook you up with a special offer. And especially they can help you now. Even you might be thinking, hey, I've got a progressive or a problematic uh, prescription, and that's why I've always got to get these dorky frames. So do I. And I was still able to get handcrafted rodent stock frames. So now you can too. 61% off ghost spec lenses, even with problematic prescriptions, plus free handcrafted rodent stock frames. When you go to betterspectacles.com slash Steve, that's betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Coming up in the overtime today for Blaze TV subscribers, our friend Julie Kelly will be joining us. She is from American Greatness. We will get an update on the latest as the narrative around January 6th continues to unravel. So we will, be, we will be doing that today in the overtime. If you're a Blaze TV subscriber, we will record that with Julie right after today's show at blazetv.com slash dace, and then we'll upload it there. 
so you can watch it there later. And if you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber and today's the day you'd like to become one, go there to get a discount. BlazeTV.com slash day so that you don't miss that or anything else that we do exclusively each day here at Blaze TV. Let's start for just a, a couple of minutes about what Brian Williams had to say there on, on his last broadcast for MSNBC. I actually agree with every word of it. Um, what I find fascinating, however, does he not understand that both himself and his, the, the ministries of propaganda we used to call media in this country are the are prime more more than any other singular entity of an earthly source, shall we say, uh, more than any other singular earthly entity are responsible for this systemic loss of faith in institutions. Does he as it, just today? Pfizer says new uh, COVID uh, um, uh, Pfizer mectin drug, hundred percent effective. How many of those headlines were in my Twitter feed? Everywhere. By the way, they were even in alternative media. If you want to know who's taking ad money, just look to see if they put that in there, if that, if that was the headline they ran with this morning. I mean, our media is just wholly owned subsidiaries of the drug companies at this point. How can he not know? Is it possible that he, is there, is it, is it possible that you can just be so innocently out of touch that you don't know you're the real killers, OJ. That you're responsible for your own lament. Is it possible, Todd? No. He knows. He's a professional liar, and he's going out uh, shooting all his bullets, you know. Hit the game, not the player, I guess. Uh, uh, he's... Um, is that the greatest... Ga- if, if he knows, then is that the greatest piece of gas lining of 2021? Which is which uh, is saying something. Uh, they're saying something. But we might have to create that as a year-end show category from now this on. Is why- greatest, best gaslight. I'm trying to, Aaron and I have been doing our part for putting together the end of the year show. And I remember distinctly the job of filling out our categories last year. Mm-hmm. And there was this kind of surreal, you know, did this all just happen? This year has been nuts. This year, I'm way more depressed that because we did another year mm-hmm. of this. Mm-hmm. And, With another year of data showing and, you that you didn't have to. And he's reminding me yeah. of why I'm so there. This is our generation is going to be living in some version of 40 years in the desert. It's not going to go away. These people are in the positions they're in doing what they do. I, I don't see how this ends anytime quickly short of bloodshed that resets things. So because professional liars at every level of societal importance in terms of just how the trains run on time are people like him in the last couple of years beyond just the fact brian williams has been exposed for shall we call them embellishments right that's why he got relegated to msnbc at night but in the last couple of years that peacock logo that he talked about there that he has worn you know for decades um, we found out that it permitted Matt Lauer to literally have, a, a, for lack of a better description, um, a, a rape dungeon on site right there at 30 Rock. I mean, I've, I've walked those halls. I've been there. I've been to those studios. Okay. And when I was, th- when I was there, it was in 2012 when Matt Lauer was still there. 
I mean, it's possible something could have been going on in in, in Lauer's dungeon, right? At the time, mm-hmm. the, the days that I was there, okay? Certainly, at least on some of the days Brian Williams was there. We found out that went on. He goes to work every day with Joy Reid. That's why I just, the, to me, the, the benign, innocent explanation is that he's so gutless that he kept quiet all these years to get a paycheck and now on his way out the door has decided to finally bear his soul, which to me is almost worse and maybe may be worse than what you described because that level of gutlessness, I have a hard time translating then, oh yeah, I'm just, I'm in on the scam. But it's not even gutlessness. It's tr- it's like trans guts. You don't ha- you don't have to have guts. There's no accountability. Look within the last couple of weeks what we found out about what's going on at CNN. And they turn around yesterday and gaslight and say, "How do you even answer a question from Fox anymore?" Right, one of their That's senior my- producers yeah. literally is, is 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 to catch a predator. Yeah. One of Chris Cuomo's yes. actual senior producers, actually. That's yeah. my level. To the degree I have desperation, it's that there's no accountability. Ever for anything, this dweeb of all people going out like that. I mean, it, he should be taken in a dark alley. That the the dude codes that are violated in that moment, but there will be none, and we all know it. That's the problem. There's just no level of natural consequences ever kicking in. I've got a limited window here because starting tomorrow, or no, starting Thursday, we have our our two-part end-of-the-year programs. So Thursday will be part of the end-of-the-year-end, year-in-review, and then Friday, our two-hour annual day script. So we've only got two days of somewhat regular programming left for the year, and then we aren't back again until January the 10th. So I've got a limited window to stress something to you. And I'll still be around while we're off. I'll, you know, I'll be active on social media as much as I as I can while trying to chillax. All right. But I need you folks to understand something. How important this Omicron variant is. It is more than a variant. It is a control group. We are going to learn some key things here the rest of the northern seasonality as Omicron becomes, they're estimating in the UK, it will be the dominant variant there by Christmas. We're in the midst of northern seasonality, so I would suspect that sometime in the first 90 days after we return, it will be the dominant variant here uh, in the US as well, particularly where we live. And if you look at what is tr- what has transpired with Omicron in South Africa, there's some things you need to know about South Africa. First of all, the continent of Africa, it's estimated maybe 17% of that continent is double jabbed or more. Maybe 17% of it. The continent. Not, not, not like the country, the continent. South Africa has had only 25% of its people double jabbed. Don't let anybody tell you it's because of their low obesity rate. You know why they have a low obesity rate in South Africa? It's not because they're throwing plates around at the local Planet Fitness. It's because 55.5% of the population lives below the poverty line. That's a majority of the population in South Africa lives 
in poverty, a majority. For, for contrast, 11% of the population in the United States does. 11. A majority of the population in South Africa does. The average lifespan of a male in South Africa is 63. The average lifespan of a male in the United States is 78. 15 freaking years, guys. That is incredible. South Africa is a step above a third world country. It went from apartheid into Marxism. And it traded one social ill for another. And so it used to be a majority of the population lived in racism. Now a majority of the population, and that's why they were poor. And now a majority of the population lives in Marxism, and that's why they're poor. And yet Omicron was a nothing burger in South Africa. I went back and looked at media reports in July and August, even tweeted one out this morning. Delta symptoms are a lot like, you know, a cold. A lot of early hopes that Delta will actually be a mild strain. Remember those? Yeah. Then everything tended to be worse. In fact, Anthony Fauci is out there this morning blaming Delta for why COVID deaths are higher this year than last year. Hmm. Why did Delta get worse? I agree it got worse. Why? See, Omicron is a control group. Omicron is going to signal that the pandemic is over. Doesn't mean COVID is over, like the flu's not over, a cold's not over, rhinovirus isn't over. RSV, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that COVID is over, but the pandemic is over. If it remains mild here, that's what it means. But with our superior health profile, our superior healthcare system, and our superior jab rates. If Omicron goes the way of Delta, it'll mean something else. Either way, we win this argument. Omicron remains as mild here as it was in the Southern Hemisphere, which signals the pandemic is over, and as the Democrat governor of Colorado said yesterday, the emergency is over. Or if it gets worse, there will be no place to hide as to why. That their attempts to vaccinate into a pandemic with a mediocre at best product did to Omicron what it did to Delta, or as our colleague Daniel Horowitz calls Delta, the Pfizer variant. The Pfizer variant. There will be no escaping that. That will be all out in the open. That's why Omicron is a control group. It either will tell us that the pandemic is over or that what we are doing here in our part of the world has made the pandemic worse. And there will be nowhere, no way to hide from that. Any thoughts on that? Either way, we'll still be told to get our booster. That's my thought. This is invincible ignorance we're dealing with. You're right. You're 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 simultaneously right and almost spitting into the wind. I mean, well, I agree with that. But that's how. How does it go from 21 of 62 counties in New York saying hell no, 
to 41 or 51 mm -hmm. of 62 counties mm -hmm. like this. And the, those 10 or 11 counties, they'll be boostering all the way until they hear, until they hear, a tr until they wonder but, where, you know, post-rapture, they'll be boostering. Okay. But that's a different conversation. I, I think at this point as well, because Todd is, Todd is right about that. They're still going to be telling us to do this. Just yesterday, Minneapolis Star Tribune, uh, a bunch of health systems in the Twin Cities took out this full page advertisement telling people, we don't know if we're going to be able to treat you because our hospitals are overloaded. And they wouldn't be overloaded if everybody just took the, the, the booster and wore a mask and yeah. all this and that. 68% um, of all Minnesota is vaccinated. Yep. About 80, 87%, uh, I want to say, 87% of seniors are vaccinated in Minnesota, and yet there are uh, there are uh, overflowing hospitals to the point that you're not sure if you're going to be able to get treated. Todd is absolutely right, especially when it comes to the medical establishment. So if I may, if I may, um, underscore this that we have told you multiple times, ivermectincan.com and other websites, but ivermectincan.com. C-A-N. Stay out of the hospitals. If you absolutely can. Earlytreatmentreport.com, pushhealth.com, flcc.net. That's another one. Myfreedoctor.com. Because they are not going to stop telling you this and they're not going to stop firing people. At least not yet. There's too much money involved. There's too much money involved. And so it's not so much now about making COVID stand go away. It's really about causing America now to rise up in opposition. Yep. I will come back and we'll get to some Pop Culture Tuesday for the last time here in 2021. And we'll discuss my visit to the set of the adaptation of my 2016 book, A Nefarious Plot, when we return. So Aaron, you and I just simultaneously tried the new Built Bar eggnog flavor. Oh, yeah. And? Uh, 100%. I mean, it's, I like eggnog. I love I, it. I do. Yeah, I, I love eggnog. And it's, I mean, it nails it. As I remarked to you, I, I don't understand how they can make a protein bar mm -hmm. that sweet without all the nasty aftertaste of the of the normal uh, of the normal protein bars that you get at uh, mm -hmm. at Costco or wherever, it's just incredible. I mean, I ate mine like three minutes ago, and I, I still have that lovely, yep. which you want when you when you're an eggnog aficionado, that lovely uh, you know nutmeg mm -hmm. aftertaste. I mean, I'm they nailed it. There's a gingerbread flavor now too. Okay, so I've not tried that. They sent me that yesterday. I haven't tried that one yet, but tis the season, folks. If you want to give Built Bar a shot, it is the greatest protein bar. Of all time, and they've got brand new flavors out uh, for the holidays, uh, both eggnog and gingerbread available right now. Uh, so give those a shot, as well as all of their other great flavors. You cannot beat it. Uh, you know what? January's coming, right? A lot of New Year's resolutions. And you're thinking, what am I going to do with my sweet tooth, man? This is the solution. Loaded with flavor, as Aaron just pointed out. Uh, loaded with protein, but not with carbs, calories, and sugar. It's it's almost like it's too good to be true. Try it for yourself. And hey, you know, I've, I've, I've gotten probably 50 emails this year from people who tried Built Bar. Were there two or three that said it wasn't for me? Sure. 
And frankly, it, it, that makes it almost more realistic. If everybody thought it was great, then it'd be a little bit like, okay, come on. Nothing can be that perfect, right? So go to built.com, B-U-I-L-T, and use my last name, Dace, as your promo code to get 15% off right now at built.com, 15% off with the promo code Dace at built.com. All right, Pop Culture Tuesday. This is the final time we will do this here in 2021. You're going to hear that a lot already this week. It's the final time we're doing everything because this is our last week of live shows and original shows for the year. Uh, and because we actually didn't take enough vacation time off this year, um, we're not coming back next year until January the 10th. So by then, I'm hoping uh, we'll be done with almost all the filming of a nefarious plot, or as we're just calling it right now on set, nefarious. I haven't spent a lot of time talking about my own thoughts, uh, other than, you know, just kind of going back and forth with Bob as he shared mostly his yesterday. But I thought for our final Pop Culture Tuesday, I would just open the floor and let you guys ask me anything you want. And it can be questions that you guys have or you think that the audience has about the film adaptation of my 2016 book, A Nefarious Plot, which I would guess will be out uh, at some time in the third quarter of next year. So I'll just begin with a question I got asked yesterday, and I, I cannot remember the the. The, the nice lady's name who sent this to me on Twitter. Apologies for that. You know who you are if you're listening. She said, hey, Aaron, you've, you've read the script. Is it similar to the book? How would you answer that question? Uh, I would say it is, it is the nefarious of the book. The script is unique. Um, and obviously we could not make a movie with a 90-minute to two-hour polemical soliloquy from a demon just addressing you and and frankly dressing you down it would be kind of fun and funny for about 10 or 15 minutes and then afterwards you're, you're like this is hitting too close to home how do i get out of here you know the same re reaction people had to yeah. reading the book basically uh but with a visual presentation that's even more in your face where that's concerned so if you want to know i don't want to give anything away substantively but i will tell you that if 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 you've read the book or you want to get the book, A Nefarious Plot, the preface of the book gives you a hint as to how we are going to translate this story into a film. Is that fair? I think so. Okay. So the, the preface gives you a, a pretty strong hint of how we're adapting this into a unique story for the cinemas. Interpretation. How much discussion did you have with the writers directors beforehand before even casting about uh the look the feel of nefarious and once you got to that point how much input was the specific actor sean patrick flannery allowed mm -hmm. to put into that and then three once you actually saw it what is that interpretation now so those are great questions. Let me try to remember them one at a time. Uh, this is a this isn't a character driven horror film. Uh, this this is if it the script is so good and the, they don't struggle to get major stars to play in films about demonic possession or spiritual attacks, right? Mm -hmm. they, they, Hollywood can mainstream Hollywood can do that. 
what was going to be, and so we had, we had two challenges for, for us to do it. One was, is the script good enough? Because that's the first, that's the entry point. Okay. That's the, 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 the movie making version of it ain't about X's and O's, but Jimmy's and Joe's. Okay. So it's really hard for a great actor to elevate a terrible script. If you don't believe me, go watch Anthony Hopkins, maybe the greatest actor of all time in the last Transformers movie. And you will just laugh out loud like you're watching Brian Kelly attempt a Southern accent. Okay. So the script had to be great. But then the other obstacle is that the script doesn't pull any punches. The script goes in. You will see in a direct line, nefarious, use direct lines of reason and logic right lifted right from the book in the film. And that will, I will tell you that when we put it out this summer to see, to check for interest, Flannery was, was one of the first actors we let read the script. And he is somebody our directors have known for a long time. They worked with him in mainstream Hollywood. And at a time when his career was like in the late 90s, early 2000s was blowing up. Okay. And now, you know, he went away for a while and now he's in the midst. He's, he's in a com- He's coming back. They're going to start filming the new Boondock Saints movie this spring. He's in the, he's one of the, uh, the guest stars of the third season of The Boys, which I think is Amazon's most downloaded series ever. That's the Seth Rogen series. So his career arc is on the way back. And uh, they originally went to him just to see, with, with, they went to him with the script before me because they thought, we want to find out, is this good enough to, to transcend our, our base audience? And Flannery told them he thought that the role was so good, that the script was so good, he told them he would crawl over broken glass to play that part if, if and when the time came to cast it, even if it meant at the time that his career now is making a huge comeback, that it would cause him to get blacklisted. That's how important he, how good he thought the role was and how important he thought the film could be from a, uh, a messaging standpoint. Um, so we cast a wide net of people that to find out when we started the casting process of who would be interested. And I will tell you, based on the elevator pitch and some er, and, 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 se- and segments of the script that they were given, some major names showed an interest in this. When they got further into the script, though, and realized that it's still really good, but, but it, this, isn't, this is a message. We, we're, we're, ta- we're, trying to, we're trying to wreck people's souls here in a good way. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This is a it, it, this is meant to be a gut punch. As, as you, we're trying to woke people, I guess, in a, in a biblical sense. There, that's when those names then began to kind of pull the Homer Simpson gif on us, and we always knew that we needed someone who wouldn't just take the part because they thought it was a great script, but really believed in the message because the film would get spiritually attacked like it is right now. Um, there would be marketing challenges if they felt like. You know, that we couldn't have have our star love the movie. And then when there's some heat from mainstream Hollywood kind of, you know, throw us under the bus once the movie's about to come out. You know, yeah. but they kind of also had to believe in its mission to some respect. Not everybody in the cast did, but the guy playing Nefarious did. All right. Because it's his movie, basically. And we had one major Hollywood star, an Academy Award winner, who 
told us that he would he would go into the process of negotiating if we watered the script down in a couple of places. I won't tell you which ones because that would then give the movie away. All right. And we said, no way. Because in the end, this is for us is about this is the message we're trying to give more than anything else. Okay. So um, did that think that does that answer your first question? Yeah. Okay. The second question, remind me again what that one was. Well, it was uh, how much was any actor going to be allowed to have their own interpretation? Their own interpretation. Yes. What, within buying into that mission. Then yep. now put my stamp at it. I mean, you, you just say, okay, go at creepy, like try to be Anthony Hopkins and do Hannibal Lecter. Right. Or tell me what you think. My my feedback to when we were, because who who could play the role was adamant in our storyboarding process before we began writing the script, where you lay out what the story arc of the film is going to be. And and I I always thought, and they agreed, that, you know, I used Heath Ledger's Joker as one of the archetypes for Nefarious when I created him. And Nefarious is a combination of Heath Ledger's Joker and Larry Hagman's J.R. Ewing, right? So, but, so to me, Did I Did you thought, tell Sean that at some point? Yeah, I, I need to do that. I had oh. forgotten about that. He'll get a kick out of that. Yes. But uh, um, to me, the, there's three ways to play the Joker. And they're, and all three are great if the actor's good. Jack Nichols, Nicholson's Joker with flair from our childhood, right? There's Heath Ledger's I'm too creepy and clever for your own, for my own good and your own good, right? And then there's Joaquin Phoenix's who's just a thug. Like the the what's the money line of 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 Joaquin Phoenix's movie when De Niro's, you know Johnny Carson t- sort of character looks at him and says, "Why are you doing all this? You're trying to score a political point. I mean, you're trying to you know change people's beliefs." And and Phoenix looks at his Joker and says, "I don't believe in anything just because." You know what I'm saying? Like Heath Ledger's Joker is trying to make a grand point, but I thought our nefarious had to be one of those three. Uh, otherwise, it would come across as kind of cheesy. He couldn't lift. He couldn't, you know, communicate it in a way that was threatening. Flannery is a mixture of the of the of the of the, of the, the latter two. He's somewhere between Ledger and Phoenix in how he is portraying Nefarious, and he has given. And I, I also always thought that Nefarious's voice had to be part of the performance. It had to be distinct. It had to stick out. Okay, um, and. That's absolutely part of Flannery's performance as well. Okay. Very effective too. So along those lines, so notwithstanding the nuts and bolts of the political battle being waged outside the soundstage, what were your expectations going into watching the production phase of this? What were your expectations about the entire process? What uh, did they meet? Did, did they meet your expectations? Mm-hmm. You know, what was the postmortem? And then what were your expectations about his performance, Flannery's performance itself? And uh, did they meet your expectations? Did they exceed them? Were they different than what you expected? I think it's good from an expectation standpoint that I had to get so involved. I mean, our team at Believe, they're filmmakers. I mean, they're, they're, they're activists. But but they do their activism through their storytelling. They're not they're not hand to hand political com, com, combatants like what what I do or what we do, right? So I had to get so immersed and involved in that process last week that I really didn't have. I mean, I was constantly on the phone, guys, constantly on the phone, 
even on most, you know, even on the way down there. I didn't really have time to do that, to, to, to really wrap my mind around what I hoped to see or thought I was going to see until Friday morning. I got there Thursday night. I got the set tour and it was phenomenal. But it was Friday morning now when we're, I'm actually going to be there to watch them film uh, that I, and, and so I kind of went in there as an empty slate and I think that kind of helped. Sure. And, you know, my wife said, man, I, it's rare to see you have this goofy grin on your face for as long as you did. I think Bob referenced it yesterday. This is the closest I I'll ever get to knowing what it's like to birth a child, to watch something that I gave that, you know, that was inside me and now watch it get hatch and, and, and become its own thing, you know? And I, 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 I knew Flannery would do a good job because the material's really good. And I learned some other things about him I didn't know. I mean, I, you know, I, I just remember like Boondock Saints and stuff from back in the day. I didn't know he was like classically theater trained and things of that nature. I, I mean, the first time I saw him play Nefarious, and I knew what was coming, you know, and I, I didn't want it to end. And... One of our camera guys was one of uh, the camera guys on The Dark Knight Rises. He told me that when working with Chris Nolan, they would film an eighth of a page a day of script. If, and that if you can get through, you know, in a good day, if you can get to, th- you get to three to five pages on a good day, that's phenomenal. My first day on the set Friday as Nefarious meets the psychiatrist that's going to do the psych eval, all right, uh, to determine whether he can stand, he can be executed for the, his crimes if he's, you know, of sound mind and body. The flow between the two of them was so good that we got, we did 13 pages of script that first day. I mean, and the dialogue was so snappy. The pacing was so good. Um, I mean, I just, I, I cannot wait to see the finished product when they're when it's edited, when there's a score, when it's colorized, yep. um, and I and I and I can't wait for the audience. There was what one a huge s- blessing that is as well. Yes, given everything else that's going on. Yeah, and that and that explains probably why everything else is going on. There was one scene on Saturday I saw that when it, when they got done filming it, I looked at our directors and I said, "So when we have Flannery on Jimmy Fallon or someplace next spring uh, or summer, and he's talking about." You know, they're shooting Boondock Saints 3, but he's got this other horror movie coming out in the fall. That's that's the scene he's bringing with him to show people is that one right there. OK, uh, I mean, I was I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away by how good he was way beyond what, frankly, I thought he was capable way beyond. So one question I got yesterday, do you have to read the book or do you does the book spoil the movie? The book will not spoil the movie. The movie is inspired by the book but it is its own unique story i do think you will appreciate it more if you read the book first but it's not a requirement and the and the book would not spoil the movie if you choose to go down that road so so good stuff guys and you know we'll have a lot more about this when we come back in january it'll be pretty close to filming by then so i should know a lot more we'll come back an hour-long special of fake news or not is next Greetings, 
Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. Welcome to the program. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And you can also look for us on MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter. Just look for my name there and bypass all the censorship from all the big tech fascists. You can also bypass that censorship of uh, the big tech fascists by going to Rumble to watch your clips, not that other place. Uh, and that's rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. You can watch clips that are free and free of censorship at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Thanks to all of you that listen to the podcast version. We appreciate you. You're a big part of this audience. Please, if you haven't done so yet already, leave us a five-star review uh, and hit the subscribe or follow button on your podcast platform of choice. Thanks to all of you that have done those things for us already. We appreciate every single one of them. Thank you. Hour two, fake news or not, brought to you by our friends at Omega XL. You know, you've got 360 joints in your body from the top of your neck, down your vertebra, all the way down to your feet. That's 360 places where inflammation can seep in, especially as we get older. And sometimes getting active almost makes it feel like that stuff can get worse because we can get we can get in better shape, but it's not like our joints get younger, right? That's why you're looking for an all-natural anti-inflammatory by my friends at Omega XL, backed by both 35 years of clinical research and going on almost two years now of my daily usage. So I can testify to its effectiveness. It will help to neutralize the inflammation that is causing your chronic lingering uh, pesky pain. So if you want to give it a shot today, we are offering you buy one bottle, get a second one for free. Buy one, get one for free. When you go to OmegaXL.com slash Steve, Omega, just like it sounds. OmegaXL.com slash Steve, or you can give them a call at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. For fake news or not, we're going to do something that is going to seem a little Levitical. But it is also vitally important. Why are all of those begats preserved in the word of God? Why is that entire lineage preserved? And then in the New Testament, Matthew, or Levi, himself a Jew, who would know the book of Leviticus very well. He begins the New Testament with a similar version, pointing to the genealogy of Yeshua of Nazareth as the Christ. It's because it's important. That's why. God would not have preserved all of those names and that lineage if it wasn't important to know that information. And over the last year and a half, if there has been anything that has been the biggest piece of evidence that whatever has transpired in this world since March of 2020 Maybe about a lot of things, but science is not really one of them. It has been attempts to either ignore 
or impose upon natural immunity. What do we mean by natural immunity? It means having recovered from a previous infection so that now you are armed against getting that infection again or at least a serious reinfection of it. We have had plagues on this planet, on this creation where all of it groans because of sin for thousands of years. Most of them far worse than coronavirus, COVID-19. Vaccines as we know them today, the most primitive variation of them didn't emerge until the late 18th century. So if you look at the biblical arc of history, we're talking about 5,000 years. How did humanity survive? Running water wasn't omnipresent in the world until the early 20th century. Like indoor plumbing, running water. Electricity wasn't omnipresent in the world until the middle of the 20th century. The kinds of things that have gone a long way towards helping us advance as a species from a hygienic standpoint. We just figured out hand washing prior to doing surgery, starting with childbirth, was the best way to reduce infection and to stop having childbirth be the leading cause of women in the world for the previous 5,000 years. And the guy that came up with that, his name was Semmelweis, they thought he was nuts. They told him for his own good, maybe he should see a psychiatrist, so he checked in. They then had him forcibly committed. They did electric shock therapy, a lobotomy, and he died in there. True story. That was like barely, a hun- that wasn't even 100 years ago. <laughs> right? So, the things that we all take for granted right now, in the long arc of human history, are fairly new. It took a decade for Alexander Fleming to convince the medical community that the best medicines to create in order to push back on infections were found in molds. They thought he was nuts. This is where penicillin came from. Antibiotics came from. And then Fleming intended for this to be open sourced, which is why he never patented it. Only to find out after it was success after it was accepted by the medical community, one of the large corporations came in and patented it instead. <laughs> right? Any of this sound familiar? A bit. A bit. So before Alexander Fleming in the early 20th century, and Mr. Semmelweis in the latter half of the, of the 19th century, how did we survive infections? How did we survive? Before antibiotics, before we even knew that washing our hands was a good idea, those two innovators have probably saved more lives than anyone else in the history of medicine. And both of them just came on the scene in less than the last hundred years. So 
how did we survive as a species? What did we do all this time? We relied on natural immunity. We relied on herd immunity. The first year of COVID-19, I, I hypothesized that the reason natural immunity was being completely discounted is because it was some form of tacit admission that the virus is not of a natural origin. Remember, we had those conversations. And this was at a time that you couldn't talk about this openly on Facebook or Twitter without getting banned. When our book, Fauci and Bargain, was the number one book in this country at the beginning of April, you still could not go on Facebook and Twitter and say you believed that the virus emanated from a lab and is not a natural phenomenon. Think about that. Think about that. I get very angry when I do. You should. And so maybe the fact that we were ignoring natural immunity was tacit admission that the virus is not of a natural origin. And they don't know how much of natural, biological, virological, immunological precedent holds up against, frankly, some form of a bioweapon, either accidental or purposeful. However, for the last, what now, six months, it has been open season on admitting that the virus is not necessarily of a natural origin, correct? Yeah. Has there therefore been an attempt to go back and now reset natural immunity, especially with a full year of infection data recorded? Have we done that? No. No. The ignoring of it among medical elites, particularly in this country, has continued, correct? Yes. So now we're at without excuse point, correct? Yes. There's two ways out of there's two ways to defeat COVID Stan, in my opinion. One is to defeat it with mask noncompliance and defiance. To make its edicts unsustainable, non enforceable. I mentioned last hour, our good friend Shannon Joy from upstate New York, she hosts a show up there, mentioned to me today, she texted to me right before the show, about one third of counties in New York State now have openly said they will not enforce or comply with the new governor's attempts to reinstate COVID stand restrictions there. Good. That's what I'm talking about. Mass defiance, non-compliance. These things become unenforceable, so it just doesn't matter. The other... I believe, is to restate the case for natural immunity because it brings us back to actual science and not whatever else has gone on here for the last 21, going on 22 months to who knows whatever damnable end. And it also reveals that we are not in the midst of a vaccination program because the point of a vaccination program is to get us to herd immunity with the aid of those who already have natural immunity. Remember when I said at the very beginning of this year, why are we going out and giving, giving vaccines to people without doing updated serological data to see who doesn't need it because they've already been infected? Do you remember those shows we did in January and February asking that question? Yeah. Well, we could not have foreseen at that point in time that we'd be talking about fourth or fifth jabs within the calendar year, and yet here we are. We've not had updated serological data from our CDC since July 4th weekend of last year, 2020. 
And those were serological samples that were taken in April of May and May of 2020. This isn't a vaccination program. It's something else. Because it's clear they have no clue how to get to herd immunity or they never intended to. That's the other reason why we need to restate the supremacy of natural immunity here. When I bring this point up, you guys will ask me on social media and in emails, can you point me to some studies, some data that show natural immunity works? And a lot of times what I have said is, well, yeah, I mean, that stuff gets all posted on my social media, right? We just, you know, I, I can't be resetting that all the time. I'd have to hire somebody to do that that I can't afford. Today, we are going to make an exception. For fake news or not, we're going to spend this hour taking turns, courtesy of our friends at the Brownstone Institute. Who are they? Scientists, doctors, medical researchers, professionals, some of them very award-winning, who have decided it is time for them to band together and call BS on COVID, Stan, and to end this. They recently included a list of 300 studies and scientific journals from around the world that had confirmed the supremacy of natural immunity. For the remainder of this hour, we are going to go down this list and cite as many of them for you as possible. And then when we leave here to go on our Christmas vacation at the end of the week, you will have this hour, and I'll have Aaron break it out separately for you on Rumble as a separate clip. You will have this hour that you can send to people. You will have, I'll share it on all my social media accounts, this link from the Brownstone Institute to share and to show everybody you know on every platform you're on that natural immunity wins again, again. Let us begin. And it's not just natural immunity here. It's also going to show that all of their attempts at lockdowns and everything else, none of this worked. Natural immunity worked. Nothing else did. Lockdown effects on SARS-CoV-2 transmission, the evidence from Northern Jutland. Quote, analysis shows that while infection levels decreased, they did so before lockdown was effective and infection numbers also decreased in neighbor municipalities without mandates. Direct spillover to neighbor municipalities or the simultaneous mass testing do not explain this. Data suggests that efficient infection surveillance and voluntary comp compliance makes full lockdowns unnecessary. If you look at our data here in this country, um, we, we actually jumped 6% from August to September. Or I'm sorry, from August to October, the 60-day period there in the amount of people vaccinated in this country. Since the mandates began in mid-October, from mid-October to mid-December, the next 60 days, we only increased our vaccina vaccination level half of that. The mandates and the directions and the threats did not help. This is a country-level analysis measuring the impact of government actions, country preparedness, and socioeconomic factors on COVID-19 mortality and related health outcomes. Quote, 
Analysis was conducted to assess the impact of timing and type of national health policy and actions undertaken towards COVID-19 mortality and related health outcomes. Low levels of national preparedness, scale of testing, and population characteristics were associated with increased national caseload and overall mortality. In our analysis, full lockdowns and widespread COVID-19 testing were not associated with reductions in the number of critical cases or overall mortality. Full lockdown policies in Western Europe countries have no evident impact on the COVID-19 epidemic. Quote, extrapolating pre-lockdown growth rate rate trends, we provide estimates of the death toll in the absence of any lockdown policies and show that these strategies might not have saved any life in Western Europe. Ignore the natural immunity that has saved us as a species for thousands of years and do this stuff instead. That quote, might not have saved any life in Western Europe. We also show that neighboring countries applying less restrictive social distancing measures, as opposed to police-enforced home containment, experience a very similar time evolution of the epidemic, meaning it didn't make a difference. Effects of non-pharmaceutical interventions on COVID-19, a tale of three models, quote, inferences on effects of NPIs, that's non-pharmaceutical interventions like masks, are non-robust and highly sensitive to model specification, claimed benefits of lockdowns appears grossly exaggerated. As several parts of the world go into round two of lockdowns as we speak. Assessing mandatory stay-at-home and business closure effects on the spread of COVID-19. Quote, assessing mandatory stay-at-home and business closure effects on the spread of COVID-19 did not find significant benefits on case growth of more restrictive NPIs, similar restrictions in case growth may be achievable with less restrictive interventions. After subtracting the epidemic and the NPI effects, we find no clear significant beneficial effect of NPIs on case growth in any country. Masks, social distancing, shutdowns, nowhere. In the framework of this analysis, there is no evidence that more restrictive NPIs contributed substantially to bending the curve of cases in England, France, Germany, Iran, Italy, the Netherlands, Spain, or the United States. Effective school closures on mortality from coronavirus disease. Quote, we therefore conclude that the somewhat counterintuitive results that school closures lead to more deaths are a consequence of the addition of some interventions that suppress the first wave and failure to prioritize protection of the most vulnerable, meaning you locked down the healthy kids and didn't help the people vulnerable, the elderly. When the interventions are lifted, there is still a large population who are susceptible and a substantial number of people who are infected. This then leads to a second wave of infections that can result in more deaths, but later. Stay-at-home policy is a case of exception fallacy, an internet-based ecological study, quote, to assess the association between staying at home and the reduction increase in the number of deaths due to COVID-19 in several regions of the world. With our results, we were not able to explain if COVID-19 mortality is reduced by staying at home in 98% of the comparisons. Is that a lot? It's most. It's most. Quote, we were not able to explain the variation of deaths per million in different regions of the world by social isolation herein analyzed as differences in staying at home compared to the baseline. 
Was Germany's corona lockdown necessary? Quote, official data from Germany suggests strongly that the spread of the coronavirus in Germany receded autonomously before any interventions became effective. Is Germany going back into lockdowns? They have torch-lit cops out on the streets with rulers measuring how far away you are from the next person. Arresting Santa. Yes. (laughs) Another reason is that seasonality may also play an important role in dissipation. You don't think. A first literature review, lockdowns only had a small effect on COVID-19. Quote, Lockdowns only had a small effect on COVID-19. Studies which differentiate between the two types of behavioral change find that, on average, mandated behavioral change accounts for only 9% of the total effect of the growth of the pandemic stemming from behavioral changes. The remaining 91% of the effect was due to voluntary behavioral changes. You know, like, the kids are sick. Let's not have them go over to grandma's during a pandemic because we don't want to get her ill. You know, know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Stuff that you could have just done, you know, like on your own. Right. Trajectory of the COVID-19 epidemic in Europe. Quote, we show that relaxing the assumption of homogeneity to allow for individual variation in susceptibility or connectivity gives a model that has a better fit to the data and more accurate 14 day forward prediction of mortality. And I love this last line. Implying that most of the slowing and reversal of COVID-19 mortality is explained by the buildup of herd immunity. That study's from 2020. Do we have any vaccines in 2020? No. No. Therefore, herd immunity was, herd immunity levels were achieved only which way in 2020, according to the study? Naturally. Natural immunity. Natural immunity. Modeling social distancing strategies to prevent SARS-CoV-2 spread in Israel. Right now, if you're an Israeli, you are more threatened by Naftali Bennett than you are Iran. That's just the bot. That's sad, but it doesn't make it less true. Quote, a national lockdown has a moderate advantage in saving lives with, quote, tremendous cost and possibly overwhelming economic effects. In other words, what was one of the very first questions we ever asked on this show last year? Is the juice worth the squeeze? Yes. Is the cure worse than the disease? Yes. SARS COVID 2 waves in Europe, a two stratum model solution, quote, found that 180 days of mandatory isolations to healthy people, i.e., schools and workplace closures, produced more final deaths. Because by locking down the healthy, you are denying natural immunity. You are not weakening the strain or the outbreak. You're strengthening it. It's like if Alabama decided to play Georgia without Bryce Young at quarterback and played the backup instead, or even without one. Not to mention mandatory isolations have caused economic damages. And since these enforced isolations were suboptimal anyway, they involuntarily increased the risk of COVID-19 disease-related damages. Which is why so many times last year I said lockdowns don't work, but they do kill. Government-mandated lockdowns do not reduce COVID-19 deaths. Implications for evaluating the New Zealand response. Has New Zealand been in the news at all? A little bit. A little bit. Quote, Lockdowns do not reduce COVID-19 deaths. This pattern is visible on each date 
that key lockdown decisions were made in New Zealand each date. Is that a lot? I think it's all of them. I think it's all of them. Yes. The apparent ineffectiveness of lockdowns suggests that New Zealand suffered large economic costs for little benefit in terms of lives saved. End quote. But at least the orgies can go on. Indeed. Did lockdowns work? An economist cross-country comparison. Quote, the lockdowns in most Western countries have, 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 thro- have thrown the world into the most severe recession since World War II and the most rapidly developing recession ever seen in mature market economies. Since, hence, the biggest one-year increase in inflation we've had in modern times. Last time we had inflation grow like this in one year, folks were dodging dust bowls and in soup lines. It was called the damn depression. They have also caused an erosion of fundamental rights and the separation of powers in a large part of the world as both democratic and autocratic regimes have misused their emergency powers and ignored constitutional limits to policymaking. Comparing weekly mortality, and so was it worth it? Comparing weekly mortality in 24 European countries. The findings in this paper suggest that more severe lockdown policies have not been associated with lower mortality in any of them. In other words, the lockdowns have not worked as intended. Inferring UK COVID-19. That's the first thing that's wrong. Yeah, that's yeah. why I well, gave that. Worked. That's why I gave that the William Shatner pregnant pause. Okay. One more. Inferring UK COVID-19 fatal infection trajectories from daily mortality data were infections already in decline before the UK lockdowns. That's the name of this study. Quote, a Bayesian inverse problem approach applied to UK data on first wave COVID-19 deaths and the disease duration distribution suggests that fatal infections were in decline before full UK lockdown and that fatal infections in Sweden started to decline only a day or two later. Now, why does that matter? What didn't they do in Sweden? They did not mass vaccinate. They did not lock down. They didn't do. Mo- they did not mask. They kept the kids in school. Well, they were sane. Last year, they have mass vaccinated yes. this year. Yes, but last year they did no. They didn't do the masks. Correct. No lockdowns or any of that. Hmm. In other words, Sweden acknowledged what real science, natural yeah, immunity. natural immunity. And the UK went with Imperial College instead. We'll have more of this in a minute. First, though, I want to tell you about our friends over at Home Title Lock. You've got homeowner's insurance for a good reason, because without it, a fire, flood, burglary could destroy you financially. But there's another major crime your homeowner's homeowner's policy doesn't cover. It's called home title fraud. The FBI calls it one of the fastest growing crimes in the country. It can ruin you financially. It can take a small fortune if this happens to you to prove you didn't commit this fraud yourself. So how does it work? Well, cyber thieves know uh, that a lot of our home's titles are kept online. They go on there nowadays looking for high equity homes. Uh, Maybe they have found something uh, in in a data breach where they have a piece of your identity that they can't steal because hopefully you've got identity theft protection, but they can still use it to identify as you. And so they log on, make it look like you're you, uh, and then you've sold your home to them on what's called something like a quick claim deed, and then they start taking out loans against your equity. Don't let this happen to you. Get an ally like our friends at home, Title Lock. They mobilize if they see any potential tampering of your most important investment. And right now, if you go to HomeTitleLock.com, you can find out for free if you register your address, if you're already a victim and not yet aware. And then while you're there, you can also get for free 
30 free days of protection if you use the code radio at hometitlelock.com. Use the code radio. Thoughts on what we've read, what we've read through here so far? Well, we got through 16 citations, studies, what have you in that section. There's a few sections in this 400 study piece on the failure of compulsory COVID interventions. 16 of them, I believe there's somewhere upwards of 110 in that section showing just how ineffective lockdowns, that's the name of the section, have been. Um, as Todd had mentioned, though, in passing, they, they were very effective. And remember, remember this, this term banded about, and it was banded about at the very beginning. You mentioned it, Imperial College. Uh, what was the name of the piece that uh, that really got this thing co- uh, uh, ticked off or kicked off, I should say? Impact of non-pharmaceutical interventions on COVID-19, something along those lines. From the very outset, COVID stands premise was allowed to stand that there is either non-pharmaceutical interventions, mm-hmm. non-pharmaceutical interventions, lockdown, stay at home, or there's the glorious vaccine. There's no in between whatsoever. That still goes on in our hospitals today. No other treatments. Nothing we can do. We can't use hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, famatidine, none of that stuff. More in a moment. Well, if you're a pet owner, you've heard us on here talking about Rough Greens before, and it is that supplement powder that you mix in with your pet's food. And with that one simple act, you've probably uh, restored the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, and more of that good stuff that was removed from your pet's food before it ever left the factory for the same reason they take a lot of that out of our own food, because they want it to last for a long time on the shelf with a mass food distribution system. And that's why we're taking so many supplements these days. And now there is one for your pet. My my dog, Cap, loves this stuff, but maybe you're thinking ours may not, or maybe we won't see a difference in our pet. And so what's the point? Well, how about this? We give you this first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free to see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less, or if your pet will take to it. And then you just pay for the shipping. We don't want to just give everything away because people have a tendency just to throw stuff away when it's totally free. Right, So you pay the shipping, but we'll give you the bag, the bigger expense, for free on us when you go to roughgreens.com. R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com. Or give them a call at 833-ROUGH-DOG. That's 833-ROUGH-DOG. Let's continue on. This study, or this, uh, yeah, it's a study from the Brownstone Institute citing hundreds of studies that showed all of our attempts to deny natural immunity and do this the authoritarian way, that is, push back on COVID as a pandemic, all failed. Let's skip ahead to the section on masks, since those are making a comeback, right? I'm watching college basketball games now where fans are wearing masks indoors. They're being commanded to, right? Masks are making a comeback. Still too many school kids around the country are being masked up, right? Okay. Let's go to masks. You guys okay with that? Yeah. All right. Effectiveness of adding a mask recommendation to other public health measures to prevent SARS-CoV-2 infection in Danish mask wearers, quote, infection with SARS-CoV-2 occurred in 42 participants recommended with masks and 53 of the control participants. The between group difference was just 0.3 percentage points. 0.3. 
The recommendation to wear surgical masks to supplement other public health measures did not reduce the COVID, SARS-CoV-2 infection rate among wearers by more than 50% in a community with modest infection rates, some degree of social distancing, and uncommon general mask uses. SARS-CoV-2 transmissions among re- Marine recruits during quarantine. Quote, our study showed that in a group of predominantly young male military recruits, approximately 2% became positive for SARS-CoV-2 during a two-week strictly enforced quarantine. Multiple independent virus strain transmission clusters were identified. All recruits wore double-layered cloth masks at all times, indoors and outdoors. Physical interventions to interrupt or reduce the spread of respiratory viruses. Quote, there is low certainty evidence from nine trials and over 3,500 participants that wearing a mask may make little or no difference to the outcome of influenza-like illnesses such as SARS-CoV-2 compared to not wearing a mask. The pooled results of randomized trials did not show a clear reduction in respiratory viral infection with the use of medical or surgical masks during seasonal outbreaks. The impact of community masking on COVID-19, a cluster randomized trial in Bangladesh, you know the ones that they. The, this is the style. The, the, this is the study they keep citing is the one that shows masks work. Right? We we, we talked about this a few months ago. Right? Mm-hmm. Quote: A cluster randomized trial of community level mask promotion in rural Bangladesh from November 2020 to April of 2021 showed surgical masks reduced symptomatic COVID infections by between zero and 22 percent. While the efficacy of cloth mask led to somewhat somewhere between an 11% increase to a 21% decrease. Hence, based on these randomized studies, adult masks appear to have either no or limited efficacy. Even in the surgical mask that worked, it was between 0 and 22. <laughs> then it goes from an 11% increase to a 21% decrease. That level of variance means something doesn't work. That's what it means. Evidence for community cloth face masking to limit the spread of SARS-CoV-2. A a critical review, quote, the available clinical evidence of face mask efficacy is of low quality, and the best available clinical evidence has mostly failed to show efficacy. With 14 of 16 identified random controlled trials comparing face masks to no mask controls, failing to find statistically significant benefit in the intent to treat populations. Non-pharmaceutical measures for pandemic influenza in non-healthcare settings, quote, Evidence from 14 randomized controlled trials of these measures did not support a substantial effect on transmission of laboratory-confirmed influenza-like illnesses. None of the household studies reported a significant reduction in secondary laboratory-confirmed influenza-like illness from virus infections in the face, face mask group. The overall reduction in influenza-like illness or laboratory-confirmed influenza cases in the face mask group, quote, was not significant in either studies. Universal masking in hospitals in the COVID era. This is from the New England Journal of Medicine. Quote, we know that wearing a mask outside healthcare facilities offers little, if any, protection from infection. How about that opening line? 
Public health authorities define a significant exposure to COVID-19 as face-to-face contact within six feet with a patient with symptomatic COVID-19 that is sustained for at least a few minutes. The chance of catching COVID-19 from a passing interaction in a public space is therefore minimal. In many cases, the desire for widespread masking is a reflexive reaction to anxiety over the pandemic. The calculus may be different, however, in healthcare settings. First and foremost, a mask is a core component of personal protective equipment, or PPE. Clinicians need when caring for symptomatic patients with respiratory viral infections in conjunctions with gowns, gloves, and eye protection. Universal masking alone is not a panacea. A mask will not protect providers caring for a patient with COVID-19 if it's not accompanied by meticulous hand hygiene, eye protection, gloves, and a gown. A mask alone will not prevent healthcare workers with early COVID-19 from contaminating their hands and spreading the virus to patients and colleagues. Focusing on universal masking alone may, paradoxically, lead to more transmission of COVID-19 if it diverts attention from implementing more fundamental infection control measures. In other words, walking around just with a mask in a hospital, the most sterile setting we have in the general population, wouldn't stop you from getting COVID. So why the hell would it stop you from getting COVID just walking around everyday life? It wouldn't. I'll take a break here and tell you before we get out of here about realestateagentsitrust.com. If you are thinking of getting involved in the real estate market during these unprecedented times, Bing. make sure, I love that close-up shot, make sure you do so with our friends at realestateagentsitrust.com where the name says it all. Don't find out like Glenn Beck and some of his associates did the hard way that there's plenty of agents out there who talk a good game but then cannot deliver the results they are promising you. They found out the hard way. That's why they started this company called realestateagentsitrust.com. They didn't want that to happen to you. And so just about anywhere you want to move to or from, like if you're in New York State right now and you want to move to one of those 20-some-odd counties that are uh, telling the governor, hell no, we're not going back to COVID stand, they can help you or probably just about anywhere else in the country at realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Any thoughts on what we've gone through here so far? Well, we haven't even talked about vaccines, but Steve has laid the case of why I am anti-vax. He told you a long time ago that the masks were about conditioning for the vaccines. And before that, the lockdowns were conditioning for the masks, which were conditioning for the vaccines. This, but it goes way, way before that. I've told you this on the show before, back when I used to have these debates online before COVID with people. And these people would rabidly, more hateful about anything I believe. On a life, marriage, gender about this, they would come after me, and you want to just kill kids, and my kids would never sit next to yours. And they believed in herd immunity. They'd come at me with herd immunity all the time. That by not you not participating, you're yes, denying I'm, us yes. getting to herd immunity. But yes. here's the thing. It was in the service only to vaccines. It was not in the service to natural immunity, because that from the very beginning, for vaccines to become what they are, for Pfizer to become what it is, it has to get out of your head from the time your children are born. And that's where you're really vulnerable, especially as a mom with that young baby. You have to believe that that little child is inherently sick. 
instead of having something called an immune system that works, which means it's fundamentally healthy. That's the ballgame. And it's been so successful that we haven't even got to vaccines yet. And I can tell you exactly why you and the person next to you and everybody else is saying, yes, oh, I'll have that fifth jab, please. It's because you've been conditioned for a very, very long time. This is another this is another extension of the conversation that we had. And I know what happens on overtime stays on overtime, but uh, this is an extension of that notwithstanding. This is an extension of what we were talking about yesterday, wasn't it? Isn't it? This mythical ideal that if we just do things the right way, do things um, in this so- sort of or- order and just just do what the go- uh, the experts tell us to do, uh, Asher will and, uh, and Malok will make it rain next year. <laughs> if, if we just do all these things, then forces outside our control will um will magically bend to our will isn't that just an extension of of paganism mm-hmm. that's that's what this is 400 different studies this compilation from brownstone institute 400 different studies saying no um hulk smash puny god that that's what this is this is this is uh, how do you know which uh, end of the, the the wood to burn and which to, to to worship? That's what this is. This is complete and total idolatry. That's total idolatry. And in just so many, you know, guys, it, it doesn't take all of four hundred studies to show you what we already knew. But when they get smacked down one after the other, it is it is entertaining. And it is illuminating, even more than that, how deep the programming and conditioning goes. Because here's, here's the crux of the matter. We used to talk, and I used to talk about, how much of the country is gripped by fear. Fear of this virus. And to be sure, as long as the media is around, there will be people to manipulate. There will be people who will be ripe to be kept in a fearful state of mind. I don't think that's the majority of people now. I think the majority of people either A, in COVID stand, who are bowing the knee to COVID stand at least, either A, this is just programming now. This is just their religion now. They're not really that fearful. They're just doing it because they're the people they've been waiting on. And good people do this. Or B, they just don't have the intestinal fortitude to stand up to the, the, to, to the former group. That's what's going on here. Because, uh, as I said, 400 studies, it doesn't take 400 studies to show that this stuff is total and complete nonsense. That lockdowns don't work, but they do kill. That masks are religious talismans. That school closures are completely upside down world. Go on down the list. Doesn't take that 400 study to show you that. But why are we still where we are? Because the programming and the idolatry runs deep along those lines we're also seeing a return of mask mandates so maybe we should close with that mask mandate and use efficacy for covid19 containment in the united states it's a study earlier this year quote 
Calculated total COVID-19 case growth and mask use for the continental United States with data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, we estimated post-mask mandate case growth in non-mandate states using median issuance dates of neighboring states with mandates did not observe association between mask mandates or use and reduced COVID-19 spread in the United States. Quote, masks can work well when they're fully sealed, properly fitted, changed often and have a filler or filter designed for virus-sized particles. This represents none of the common masks available on the consumer market, making universal masking much more of a confidence trick than a medical solution. Our universal use of scientific face coverings is therefore closer to medieval superstition than it is to science, but many powerful institutions have too much political capital invested in the mask narrative at this point. So the dogma is perpetuated. Isn't that what you were just talking about there, Aaron? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Matt, here's a study called Mask Mandates Seem to Make CCP Virus Infection Rates Climb. Study says, quote, protective, ma- protective mask mandates aimed at combating the spread of the China virus that causes the disease COVID-19 appear to promote its spread. A clearing, according to a report from Rational Ground, a clearinghouse of COVID-19 data trends that's run by a grassroots group of data analysts, computer scientists, and actuaries. If you're looking for a great resource, by the way, for data, rationalground.com is a great place to go. I just did real estate. If you want to let Ron know that, he just said that in my ear. Okay. So, final thoughts on all of this here. That took me to a dark place, brother. I think this is going to be a rough week. It really is. To swallow this pill. I mean, there's so much more. We got through, what, 30 of the 400 or something on here, maybe? Okay, we'll we'll post the link to the full report up on all of our socials today. So, yes. Yeah, I mean, this is not news to me. This is what I've believed from the beginning. Yet, in the face of still... The zealousness is only growing all the more because that's what a cult does. Yeah. It gets worse in the face of the obvious truth to the contrary. From the beginning, we denied natural immunity and herd immunity. We did all of these new age, no pun intended, uh, elements that didn't work. Uh, in, in, in the hopes of, as Aaron pointed out, we do this until there's a vaccine, which, by the way, though, we had no guarantee would ever show up and then actually doesn't help get us to herd immunity. There, so then it's not even a there's vaccine. No, there's no other alternative strategy here. That, it that's was either right. Stay in your homes or the vaccine. Yes. Yeah. There's no in between. There's no in between. And so what you learn from this, and this is why Brownstone Institute was created. This isn't about science. This is about health. And it's more than likely for most of the people trying to impose on us, it never was that'll do it for today's broadcast we're back at it again tomorrow noon to two right after glenn beck until then john 317 this is steve dace on the blaze radio network